You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry. With Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clanergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, helping solar retailers deliver more value, win happier customers and generate more sales through referrals and upsell. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid and the EV focused The Driven. And joining me as usual is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Now, Nigel, a couple of billionaires have been to space in the last couple of weeks, but um, looks like you've been to pit water and back in your Harley Electric. <laughs> <laughs> who, got, who got the better deal? <laughs> oh, that's such a good segue. I, uh, yep, yep, yep. They can have space. I'll have a live wire in my garage. Uh, it's actually just been extended today. Thank you, Harley Davidson. I love you. Uh, as I posted on Facebook today, if this is a ploy to make me fall in love with the live wire and actually try to work out how to afford to buy one, it's working. I want one. I want to buy one. I want to own one. I don't want it to ever leave my garage. Nigel, we'll get back to your electric dreams, your electric <laughs> fantasy, or, or your electric reality later on. Um, yes. For the for the moment, you're about the only person that's really, really happy about this COVID lockdown. Um, that's it's true. <laughs> it's true. true. It's true. <laughs> yes. um, but other people are doing it tough out there. I mean, um, solar installations, they, they probably haven't come to a complete screeching halt, but, geez, they'd be, they'd, they'd be badly curbed, wouldn't they? They are badly curbed, Joel. So New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia, basically there's very, very limited installation activity uh, allowed at all at the moment. In fact, I saw a post on uh, the New South Wales Police uh, Facebook page this morning where they, in fact, busted uh, two vans uh, that were on their way out of Sydney to Bathurst to do a solar install and they were busted, fined and sent home. No way. Uh, Yes way. Oh, yes, found, in, found in possession of solar panels. Correct, correct. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, that was about the extent of the the story. But they were kind of using it to highlight that no, you cannot leave Sydney, and um, and uh, piss bolt out to the bush and do a solar install. Now, of course, there are some exceptions. Um, and I, you know, I, I put a post up on Facebook the other day and asked a bunch of people how they were doing. Um, in summary, here's what they said. Uh, number one, the exceptions and the exclusions are still making it a bit hard for companies to know exactly what they can and can't do. And, you know, clearly these guys on their way to Bathurst thought that was okay. Clearly it wasn't. Um, so it, there is a bit, still a bit of confusion out there and it's, you know, it's a change. It's a, it's an ever moving mm. uh, feast of rules and regulations. So, you know, don't think it's okay. You really need to check. Um, uh, number two, um, stands to reason that, you know, the majority of installers out there who, who, you know, gave me feedback, uh, are deeply concerned about the impacts they're having, it's having on their viability. And, um, you know, th- this, this is a very difficult time. And, you know, in New South Wales in particular, it's the first time solar installations have come to a grinding halt. You cannot install in New South Wales right now. Um, there is emergency stuff, uh, only. Um, so, so is that the case in regional New South Wales? I mean, like some of the things, some of the problems that we've got, you know, with the um, the spread of the virus in regional centres because someone's been delivering a couch or two or something like that. But apparently, you can't go and install solar. I'm, I'm just, I, I like everybody else, is thoroughly confused about what the rules are and aren't. 
Well, indeed, it is confusing. Um, certainly, um, my my interpretation, and again, I'll say it's changing again. You need to check Service New South Wales to get the exact rules. Or, I did. I have to say, I did ring the New South Wales Police Hotline the other day to check on the legality of uh, driving a motorcycle or riding a motorcycle around under lockdown conditions. And uh, they said, well, you know, here's the official statement, but bear in mind that it is up to the uh, the discretion of the um, officer that you come up with, uh, up against, uh, as to how they interpret the law. Um, so, you know, if you can show that you're doing the right thing, if you can show that you're not from specific areas where you absolutely cannot leave those areas, uh, there are some circumstances where you can operate in rural and regional areas. But you know, you need to cover your backside. You need to ask whether there's more than a few thousand bucks worth of profit in the job because if you get a fine, all the profit's gone. Mm. So there's there's um, some exceptions like you can put you can put things on, on houses which aren't occupied or something or dwellings that, I don't know. I, not in Greater Sydney. Not in Greater and, Sydney. Okay. And not in Victoria is my okay. understanding. And, in fact, I saw three solar companies from South Australia posting – we are currently not doing installs. It was as black and white as that. We are in lockdown. We will not be doing installs. We'll be in touch um, to let you know when we can do an install. So you know, um, you know, it's it's there's a there's a little bit of interpretation, but um, yeah. Well, know, well, it, well it, it's actually a pity that there is. I mean, you know, because um, if we just had a hard lock, we don't want to get into the politics of lockdowns and, and COVID now. But um, I think there's a lot of people out there who probably thinks that if we just had a hard proper, you know, early lockdown, then. We might have been out of it by now, but um, um, well, I'm not too sure I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least in New South Wales. Um, fingers crossed for Victoria and South Australia. But um, anyway. Indeed. Yeah, it's tough. And, and, and you know, that leads me to the third point, which really um, is, is um, you know, there are two critical points I'd make around this. Uh, number one, there are a lot of companies out there who've been through this multiple times now, particularly our Victorian um, buddies in solar. And some of the more experienced players talked a lot about, you know, okay, so what do you do in this circumstance? How do you get through this? Um, they talked about using it as a time for planning and maintenance activities, catching up on your bookwork, which is always behind if you're in small business, thinking about your sales and marketing strategies. Use, I, I saw a great post from someone saying, we're going to spend a week. Um, our staff are all on leave for a week. And then in the week following that, we're going to do a week of training. Uh, we're going to upskill our staff in this, op use this as an opportunity, uh, put off the installs, um, put off the face-to-face -face stuff and actually do training stuff. Um, using the time basically to do everything that you just really so often don't have the time to do. Um, and also, um, you know, a big shout out to everybody who is running a business because right now it's important to acknowledge the mental stress and anguish that it causes for everyone. You know, whether it's just the uncertainty that every single person is suffering, millions of people are suffering, uh, that is really, really upsetting and and and, and difficult to deal with. Um, and, and for owners of businesses, they're obviously thinking about all their staff. They've got um, the, the, the mental pressure and everything that it brings on them, plus all their employees. So I'm just going to wrap it up by saying, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your team, support your friends, support your peers, uh, and accept that, you know, it won't last forever. We will get through it. And um, we've all had ups and downs before. So, you know, hang in there. 
And if you've really got nothing to do, if you could just put your mind to solving my problem, which is how to stop the neighbour from using our driveway at great speed, then I appreciate any <laughs> suggestions. Um, you know, we actually had the coppers around a while ago. Um, um, they weren't particularly interested, saying you're up, you're all alone, mate. You're all alone. There you um, go. There's oh, so many terrific. things to do in lockdown, right? There's solving so Charles's driveway problems. It's right up there. <laughs> It's a, it, it's a it's a sixty meter easement, guys. Um, they're going up there at about thirty or fifty k's, um, ridiculously. So um, yes, um, chicanes, um, uh, speed humps. Um, we went. We're just putting logs across the driveway actually this afternoon. That's maybe we could vent it. So maybe um, we could yeah. maybe we could put a call out for you know uh, old, unused or disused solar panels, and we could build a giant reflector that just uh, reflects sunlight up into the driveway to blind them as they're coming out or something. Sophie's been working on a story about what, what about to do with secondhand solar, and I think this is my There you go. Got a new angle to the there story. Fantastic, go. fantastic. Six million old solar panels installed in your front yard. That should be enough. <laughs> Now, mate, um, chips. Um, Elon Musk was quoted as saying the other day that um, he admitted there was, I can't remember what the number was, now there's a huge backlog of power walls. Um, um, a lot to do with um, sort of chips and the inverters and uh, chips with the inverters and stuff like that and battery cells, but um, chips um, for um, machines. Um, Every problem too. For everything. Well, everything. that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we've got a chip in my computer, I think. Not, not the way it's working at the moment. I think we'll be falling out the back. But <laughs> yeah, and we're not talking about Smith's chips either. You know, we're talking about the old, good old silicon chips. And this is this keeps popping popping up for me uh, mostly through the EV space. Ironically, because of course it's affecting electric motorcycle production. I was talking to someone yesterday who was trying to get a glorious, glorious, glorious energica into Australia and saying one of the reasons it hasn't arrived yet is because the, the chips uh, are delayed. Um, so it's even even affecting my personal fun, Giles, mm. which which is most disheartening. But oh, no. when, when, I, when I looked into this, I went, ah, oh, this is kind of an interesting story because what's going on with this chip shortage? Why, why are we suddenly in a chip shortage? And the short answer is, A, Obviously, COVID really um, has impacted supply chains, particularly out of Asia. Um, B, the Suez Canal incident, when they, that guy, you know, parked his boat badly in the canal, that had a huge impact on shipments of silicon chips. And, the, you know, the other boats behind him, some of them had chips in them as well. Uh, thirdly, there was a fire uh, in a Japanese, a really key Japanese um, silicon chip factory, um, which um, had a, had quite a big impact on supply chains. And then the other side, the flip side of, of COVID, if you like, was that demand for consumer electronics has gone through the roof. Uh, so, you know, everyone needs new computers and new, uh, new iPads and, uh, you know, the usual updates of phones and everything else. So consumer electronics demand has, has uh, meantime, gone through the roof. And so all of this has sort of coagulated together with the launch of, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, new gaming consoles that have profound requirements for chips and everywhere except Australia, the rise in uh, demand for electric vehicles um, and which use a lot of chips. And here's a fact for you, Giles. I didn't realise the average US car, not an EV, just an average car has between 500 and 1,500 silicon chips in it, right? Jesus. Yeah, I know. So you think about it, you know, ABS braking systems, engine management systems, electronic dashes, uh, uh, heating control systems, 
uh, engine, you know, there's just cars are full of chips. Um, so, you know, there is a real problem in the auto- automotive industry. There's a big problem in consumer electronics. There's a big problem in LED lights, which I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I wonder if this is affecting the solar industry. And here's something interesting. It's not really affecting the solar industry anything like it is affecting other industries. Why? Because the solar industry has been through silicon supply crunches in the past. We are used to this. And as a general rule, most of the solar industry, and this is in the inverter and battery space particularly, have learned from the past. They keep much higher levels and really, really monitor the supply uh, lag and, 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 and supply chain issues um, around those key issues. And um, so they're really, really good at managing it. Um, so as a general rule, inverter manufacturers have been far less affected by this and the solar industry, therefore, far less affected by this than other industries, the biggest impacts in auto, but it's not over yet. It's going to take the remainder of the year, just like we we've seen. For those of you who've been around, we see these lull, these ebbs and flows in the supply of silicon for the manufacture of solar panels, and we've gone through shortages and oversupply and undersupply and oversupply over the years, and we are now going through the same thing in the silicon chip. Um, space so we'll get there and there are factories being built uh, as fast as they can but they take two or three years to build you, you, you can't build them overnight so the global chip shortage is going to affect uh, our fun and it's going to affect our life in many many ways for for another uh, six months at least by the looks of it there you go there you go well um yes well maybe just in time for us to be able to put solar panels back on the roof and on those um, damn solar farms um when the um when the COVID things um, starts going. Um, Nigel, let's just take a break and hear a message from one of our sponsors. The energy world is rapidly changing. Solar Analytics will give you the data to navigate this new energy landscape. Solar Analytics helps solar businesses save time and deliver better service to their customers by assuring their savings. Their hardware is incredibly flexible and fast to install on residential and commercial applications. And their software provides a rich user interface and satellite data with smart algorithms for simple, automated performance monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, connect with your solar and make the most of your home energy. And of course, we'd like to thank all our sponsors, um, SunWiz, um, Clenergy and Solar Analytics. Nigel, what's next on the menu? Well, I wanted to ask you a question, uh, Giles. Um, Have you ever tried to switch energy plans? Um, not recently, not recently. <laughs> not recently. And, and I've got a confession to make. I know I'm on a really bad plan because, um, someone who's monitoring my system, I think through <laughs> you guys, rang me up and said, Giles, you're on a really crappy energy plan. You want to get it shifted. <laughs> and have I done anything about it? No, no, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's actually, I mean, we're, we're uh, you know, full disclosure, I'm going to talk about something we're about to launch, but, um, every time we talk to a solar owner, including people like you, Giles, they say, geez, I wish there was an easier way to understand the best energy plan for my situation. Uh, Comparing energy plans is the stuff of nightmares. It's so boring. It's so time-consuming, and it's and as confusing as anything. And, uh, and, and, we, and we actually know something about this stuff. Like, we know what a kilowatt hour is. And, that's, and right. What, you know, <laughs> yes. that's right. That's right. 
Well, and and if you own a solar system, it's actually even worse because there are all these hidden costs. There are um, um, schemes that look good on the surface that maybe aren't going to be so good when it's all said and done. And then, you know, when you talk to solar uh, retailers, they often say, um, I wish I didn't have to spend so much time trying to help solar owners choose the best energy plan because it inevitably, inevitably comes up in the conversation. Mm. And how do you choose from literally 4,000 and something energy plans that are in the market. There are literally thousands and thousands. So solar retailers spend an enormous amount of time on it. Solar consumers often give up. Uh, so, Giles, what would I tell you, What would you say if I told you we've solved this? you solved it. Fantastic. What plan am I on, Nigel? We fixed it. We fixed it. Well, within a couple of weeks, my friend, if you log into uh, Solar Analytics, uh, there will actually be a new little section that will appear there called Plan Optimizer. What that Plan Optimizer will do is very, very simple uh, on the surface. It's going to look at your profile. It's going to analyze the last three months of data of your solar production and your consumption pattern. It's then going to compare every possible plan that is out there in the market and work out what is the best plan for you. And it'll give you that advice for free. And it'll say, Giles, we've worked it out. You could save, in my case, for example, I can save $275 per quarter just by switching. Yeah. So this is this is not just my solar savings. This is over and above. This is just get to a better supplier, for goodness sake. And here's a plan that actually suits your exact profile. We've spent Years, actually, working on this and developing it. I'm super excited. It's going to launch in uh, another couple of weeks. It's called Plan Optimizer. And the amazing thing is fully automatic, regularly updated, looks at thousands of energy plans, excludes all the shonky and dodgy ones that are bad for solar owners. And here's the drum. When we did a pilot test, 70% uh, of the customers' sites that we analyzed would save money just by switching energy plans, number one. And the average saving per quarter was almost a hundred bucks. Um, so there are huge additional savings that we're about to deliver for everybody who already has solar analytics. Cause the good news is if you've got solar analytics, we're going to backdate it. So we're giving you a free update, Giles. You'll be able to see this in a couple of weeks. We'll give you the free advice and off you go. Good. Well, I look forward to that. I mean, it is, it is actually because of solar analytics. I just realized what a bad thing I'm on at the moment. I actually got my bill. Oh, God, it must have been about two months ago now. And it's sort of said I used about 10 kilowatt hours a day in, imported for the grid. And I actually happened to know that's not the case. And I just looked at this thing and went, wait a minute. Oh. But, you know, because um, thanks to um, your fine piece of machinery, um, it tells me I wasn't using anywhere near that much, at least during summer. There you go. Winter is a bit of a different matter. Yes. Yes, the heat is on here. It's freezing in Sydney too. Yeah. Oh, I know. And it's been a cold winter up here, or maybe we're just getting older. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. News? Yeah. Yeah. Plan Optimizer. We'll send you some uh, some more information soon. There'll be a whole lot of stuff coming out in the market. Be a lot of fun. Look forward to that one. Um, and I thought we'd already done our ad, but there you go. Um, what else have we got, Nigel? Uh, another edition of Great Solar Business coming up. Uh, had some had had a bunch of emails and calls from people actually saying they really enjoyed the last one, but we've got another one coming up uh, next week, uh, which is all the topic is the secrets of scaling up a solar business. 
Uh-huh. We've got an awesome guest. I'm not going to give away who it is yet, but we've got oh. an awesome guest who has oh, actually written in front of me. <laughs> you can't say it. It's a secret. You have to tune in to hear who it is. But uh, this gentleman has successfully built a business from the ground up. He's scaled it up into a, a very substantial business now. And uh, so tune in next next week for the next edition and to learn how to scale up a solar business. Talking about scaling up solar businesses, one that did so very successfully and is quite well known for it is autonomous energy, but it's had the sort of the wheels pulled from underneath it. Um, Got caught up, well, it got bought out by Bill Pappas's, um, is it Forum Group of Companies or something like that? Yes. um, Bill Pappas is an entrepreneur who's been all sorts of alleged dealings happening and all of his companies have been put into... Oh, I'm not too sure whether it's receivership or liquidation, but it's not good. Administration. 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 Yeah. Apparently, and apparently the, the word on the street is that he actually put them into administration to protect the assets in some way. Oh, his assets or somebody else's assets? Or, well, who knows? Or, yeah. Who knows? Okay. But unfortunately, Autonomous were caught up in that because they had uh, Bill Pappas had a stake in Autonomous. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so what's happening there then? That's, um, that's, is, is that sort of, is, it, is this the end for autonomous or are they? Um, well, is no, be... it appears not. And uh, there's been a flurry of uh, posts all over social media uh, around what's going on. The latest that I've seen, um, I ha- and I haven't spoken to uh, any of the directors there yet, but the latest that I saw from one of their directors is that the a lot of the employees and some of the directors and managers are in the process of trying to buy the business back and keep it running. They were kind of miffed, it would seem, uh, by some of the earlier statements that were made about the fact that the company was dead. They insist the company is not dead. Uh, They're in the process of buying it back. They intend to keep running. And so it is a mini-series in the making, I suspect. Yeah. Just imagine the hassle, though, of just going through that sort of stuff. God. Oh, you know, yeah, and everything really else that's going on. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I really, I really feel for him. It's, it is a very, very tough business in solar, um, uh, generally speaking. In fact, it was my last guest on Great Solar Business uh, who made the comment uh, when I asked him, I said, oh, is this business unique? Is it different? Is it more competitive? Is it more aggressive? He said, oh, mate, this is the most aggressive and competitive industry I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, and um, I went, oh, wasn't well, that some solace that we're all, you know, it's not easy. So, yeah, it is very, very tough out there, and commercial is as tough as anything. So, you know, fingers crossed that uh, no business goes under. Fingers crossed that uh, the um, the founders, some of the founders of that business and the employees retain their jobs and keep a great company going. Fingers crossed for them all. Now, Nigel, you've got an important change to the consumer law, and I'm reading this, and I don't think I understand it, so you better explain it nice and slowly to both <laughs> me and the listeners. Um <laughs> about what the hell's going on <laughs> okay it's it's i'm going to i'm going to simplify it right down bottom line was that previously if you sold a system worth more than 40 grand australian consumer law didn't apply it moved into a different uh, field of consumer law which was actually business law uh, or uh, uh, it's not business law it's actually you moved from having the protection of the generic australian consumer law and you went into negotiation basically about contracts and um so basically over 40 grand if you bought a solar system over 40 grand you're on your own you're gonna have to negotiate your way through and australian consumer law didn't apply that has changed as of july 1 
the number now is $100,000. So any solar system sold up to a value of $100,000 is now uh, benefited by the protections of Australian consumer law. Now, it Australian consumer law is really, really important. It offers a lot of protection for consumers. That's what it was designed for. Uh, it has a lot of prescriptive stuff in there. It uh, talks about things like, um, you know, uh, implied uh, in, implied performance, implied warranty, all sorts of other things um, that um, solar companies need to be aware of. So if you haven't had a read of the Australian consumer law in the last year or so, get back and have another look. Make sure that you are compliant, that you're doing the right thing. Of course, if you're uh, an approved solar retailer or anything else like that, that is a, that is a requirement of being compliant with the scheme. Um, make sure you're doing the right thing. Nigel, you'd be pleased to know that the neighbour just drove past and um, oh. he slowed down to the little speed hump, which I've just installed, which I've got for $27 from Bunning. So um, Giles won, neighbour nil so far. No. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> well, I didn't think of that beforehand. Anyway, so um, I'd actually drifted off while you are talking about Australian consumer law. So I have all the, cons- all, I have all the listeners have actually got that. So I was... Uh, yeah, That's so important. I was, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was reaching for the camera, reaching for my text message. <laughs> Reaching for the gun, but I don't actually have one. But uh, anyway, yes. Um, well, look, that's good. Yeah. Um, we'll probably better wrap up with a bit of electric vehicle news. Let's get back to your electric Harley. Um, Nigel, you must be in seventh heaven. Uh, yes, uh, it's been extended. Uh, my loan of the uh, Livewire has been extended for the third time. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, I'm the only person benefiting from lockdown at the moment because they can't take the Livewire back. So um, I keep saying, that's okay, I'll look after it for you. Uh, the downside is, of course, I can't travel really outside the 10K zone. So I'm very limited in what I can do. I can't do the long trips I was hoping for. But um, let me tell you, Giles, that I know every single street within a 10k radius of my home very very well now uh and the live wire is getting a run uh, at every opportunity in fact tonight i'm going to take it for a night ride because i haven't done night rides yet um, <laughs> i haven't done night rides i can't no, believe it no night. i've done it i've done dry rides i've done wet rides i've done tight rides i've uh, tight road rides i've done freeway rides but i haven't done a night ride yet so i, I thought righto I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Well, at least, mate, with COVID, you're not going to get any range anxiety, that's for sure. No, no, that's right. That's right. It's out the window. So, yeah, no, the live wire is back, and huge shout-out to Harley. We're, we're going to get some video down as soon as we can get our videographer over here. Um, so that's exciting news. Uh, secondly, uh, very, very exciting news, um, actually, in uh, Australian electric motorcycling is there is a new guy in town. Um, business has just started up. He's actually up your way, Giles. And uh, there's a young gentleman up there who is – buying up um, ex-demo bikes out of the UK primarily and some out of the US and is bringing in late model zeros and energicas previously, which we have not seen in Australia. So the famous SRS and FRF zero models, which are cooking bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he has got his hot little hands on one of the energicas that I talked about the other day mm-hmm. with the latest motor and controller system uh, and a 21 kilowatt hour battery pack in it. So long range, hyper power, DC fast charging, 200 horsepower, sick bike. Um, 
So they are landing in Australia next month and the month after. So there's a bunch of bikes coming in that are starting to appear on various websites to to get ready to purchase. So that's awesome news. He's planning to set up a network apparently and try and get some of these bikes into the country. Um, Zero Motorcycles also launched an updated model in the last week, the Zero FXE. So it's based on their little FX sort of dirt bikey style model, but it's sort of super mono and they... There was a really famous uh, motorcycle designer in the US who sort of took one and stripped all the bodywork off and made it look sick, uh, super modern and super very, very nice design work. And Zero took up the design and said, we'll put that into production. Thank you very much. It's called the FXE. Um, sadly, no updates to the performance or the specs or anything else like that. Just looks beautiful. So that's a bit sad. They're really a bit overdue now for an update. But, um, but it does look very cool and available in the US now. And uh, with all of that, Giles, I thought it was time to fly back into the past because I stumbled across a story the other day about a flywheel-powered bus. A flywheel-powered bus. I, I, I can't even imagine what that would be. Well, I know. It blew my mind. So nineteen, cast your mind back, 1953. Uh, I can't quite cast it. Of course you can. You can I can get close. I can get in the same decade, but not the start of it. Nineteen fifty-three, the first flywheel-powered bus entered commercial service. Believe it or not, first in mm. Switzerland, then in the Congo, mm. and not long after in Belgium. Mm. Um, they they could recharge. Get this: they could recharge in in less than three minutes. Um, they had recharging stops every few kilometres. Basically, bus every bus stop had a recharging point at it um, using uh, what ultimately was 500 volts DC. They'd pound these flywheels with high-voltage DC, spin the things up, um, and off they'd go again, and they'd go to the next bus stop, and they'd keep doing the same thing. Um, it, really fascinating concept. However... Uh, used around three kilowatt hours per kilometre, so pretty heavy on the energy. Secondly, the, the flywheel was a bit over three tonnes and ran at about 900 kilometres an hour. Uh, so mm-hmm. as, as it was spinning, the outer portions were actually spinning rather fast at 900 kilometres an hour, which had the impact of creating this massive, massive three-tonne gyroscope in the bus. So... They didn't turn very well. They didn't. They didn't really want to turn because you had a massive gyroscope. So they tried, you know, putting two contra-rotating gyroscopes and doing all this kind of things. Didn't really work so well. They had seventeen of them in the Congo, but apparently the Congolese drivers just went, "Yeah, we'll take the shortcuts around this dirt track," and they kept breaking the buses. Uh, so it was a fascinating experiment um, uh, that lasted all of about six or seven years. By 1960, the last one was off the road. All the fleets had closed down. There is one surviving version in a in a uh, museum in Antwerp, if you're a nerd uh, and you'd love to go and see the last remaining flywheel bus. But it just goes to show you, uh, you know, things have been tried before. People are innovators, and even back in uh, the day when you were, you know, in your twenties, probably in the fifty, in nineteen fifty, um, there was some cool shit going on. There was some cool shit going on, and um, look, there's been some pretty exciting stuff happening in the vehicle, um, just electric vehicle things. We've got a lot, we've got a few more states throwing their hats in for um, incentives. Um, Queensland's flagging a whole bunch, which is really good. 
um, yes. which is a big uptake in New South Wales and Victoria since they've announced their rebates. We've got Northern Territory throwing its hat into the ring. I saw that. Um, and then we've got Murdoch Media, Murdoch Media, and Alan Jones and Peter Credlin saying it's all a hoax. It's a terrible oh, hoax. It's another terrible hoax. And um, oh. look, I had to have a go at them. I mean, they are just so sadly and badly misinformed. But, geez, I mean, you know. Unfortunately, they have an audience, and um, um, like almost the entire federal co coalition seems to believe what they see on that um, ridiculous um, um, media. I think that's their entire audience, Joel. That's that's well, that's look, I think yes, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think it might be bigger than that. But um, anyway, yes, um, just a tale about technologies moving on, but um, our federal policy not. But um, anyway, there you go. Nigel, I think we've actually come to the end of um, another exciting podcast. That's good because it's cold. I want to go back oh, up the you fire. Want to get back in, you want to get back back up in the fire. Can you actually sort of can can you actually warm your um your your riding gear by by the fire? Put on the heater and then sort of hop onto the motorbike and things. I mean, but surely this an electric Harley, surely for that price, must have a heater on it. Well. Not as standard, but of course, uh, you can put all sorts of heated accessories on a motorcycle. My Zero has heated hand grips, which have saved me on many. Oh, my goodness. If you're a motorcycle rider, buy heated hand grips. They're the best thing ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so there are all sorts of things that you can do. But I have a very nice, uh, freshly uh, updated, in fact, riding kit that will keep me warm and toasty. So, um, you know, once I've um, suitably attired myself and finished this podcast, I'm off for a, for a sunset cruise on the live wire. Do you get do you get like a um, do you get a heated seat? You can get heated seats. Yes, you can get heated seats. Okay. You can get heated gloves. You can get heated grips. Uh, you can get heated. Ja you can get all, heated jackets. Uh, yeah, yeah. But with, 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 with a uh, fossil fuel motorbike, um, you can kind of wrap yourself around the engine and get some heat from that. But I guess you can't do that with an electric one, can you? No, you can't. You can't. You're, you're exactly right. And, and uh, I've done some very, 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 very freezing cold uh, runs where I've actually just ridden along with swapping hands onto the engine to try and keep my hands warm. Uh, that's an old trick. So, yeah. But no, on electric, you, you can take advantage of the modern stuff that you can get. And there's a lot of good riding gear that you can get that's got little uh, little uh, elements uh, wrapped around the gloves or wrapped into your jacket or whatever. So there's plenty of tech to stay warm. Well, you have fun there, Nigel, and stay safe on your electric Harley. And, um, um, yeah, just fantastic. Well, Nigel, it's been great. Oh, look, there goes the neighbour again. Is he slowing down? Oh, nice. Look at that. He's just slowed really slowly over the thing. 2-0. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's 2-1. He's taken off further down. I've got to put another <laughs> one in. <laughs> I think it'll be too warm later on in the evening, but um, I might have to go and make another trip to Bunnings while I can. <laughs> Nigel, um, it's been wonderful. Thanks to all the listeners, everyone out there. Um, stay well and take care, particularly those suffering from the lockdowns and um, all that that may entail. Um, thanks, of course, to all our sponsors, Sunwiz Solar Analytics and Clinergy. Do look out for Nigel's next episode of Great Solar Business and, of course, our other podcasts, Energy Insiders and um, The Driven Podcast, the new one coming up on that one very soon. And we'll be back again in a fortnight. See you, Nigel. See you, Giles. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. 
With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. With pro setup, training and assistance, run your business at maximum velocity. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, helping solar retailers deliver more value, win happier customers and generate more sales through referrals and upsell. Get more from solar, visit solaranalytics.com.au.